0: Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Jerry Talk, a podcast for modern caregivers juggling work, home, family, and kids, all while caring for an aging parent or loved one. I'm your host, Kelly Adams, a certified senior advisor and founder and CEO of Beyond Home Care. You know, we get how overwhelming and stressful life can be, especially when you're caring for an aging loved one. Jerry Talk is here to provide you with resources, tools, and support to encourage and equip you through this journey of caregiving. My guest today is Dana Walters, and Dana was a hospice nurse for 18 years. She's a health and wellness coach. She's a busy mom of two, a wife, and a daughter. And at one time, she changed roles into the primary caregiver of both of her parents um, when hospice was called in. And so Dana is going to provide us with so much rich content today today and just some really valuable resources and tools in self-care. And I'm just excited to to share her story with you. And so I'm not going to delay any further. Let's just jump right in and welcome Dana to the program. Dana, I want you to just start and tell us about yourself. Okay, I am 41 years old. I have been married
1: to my high school sweetheart for almost, oh, I don't even know how many years. I guess we've been together 25. Um, we have two beautiful daughters, 17 and 14. Um, our oldest is committed to Shelton State this last couple of weeks. We're awesome. super excited about that. And um, I have been in the healthcare field for a mighty long time. I started out working as a CNA um, at 16 years old here at our local hospital and fell in love with it. I can remember my mom was a nurse. My stepfather was a physician. I just kind of followed right in their footsteps, and um, always knew that I wanted to take care of other people. So I can remember starting out at sixteen and being thrown into that role, and I can remember seeing things that I never dreamed of seeing. I'm sure. I remember going home scared. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember my first patient. I remember telling my mama, "I can't do this." Like this, this was scary, and she said, "Go back one more day. If you go back one more day, and you don't put a smile on somebody's face," or you don't know in your heart that you made a difference, don't do it. And I thought, okay, just one more day. And I thought I can get through one more day. And that next day did it all. Um, I never looked back. So um, I think I had to change a little bit of perspective and get fear out of the way um, to realize that there are people that need us no matter where they are. Mm -hmm. So it taught me how to love unconditionally in a place where a lot of people didn't have people to even love them at home. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of starting out um, as CNA. And then I went to nursing school and graduated and um, did some cardiac um, care and then fell in love with hospice. And that has been my, my passion and my heart um, for a mighty long time. I guess I've got 18 years worth of um, hospice experience and learned so much about myself and loving other people where they are. To me, it was the heart of hospice. It was kind of what we could do was walk into a home and not know the past and not know the skeletons and not know the things in the closet, but really just love these patients for who they were Mm -hmm. in that current moment and be very present. And um, no matter what they were going through, be able to love them in a way that they needed to be loved as they transitioned, you know, into the next life, so that, that was a huge part of my life, um, still a huge part of my heart. Then health coaching fell into, in, into my lap, and um, it was just a different avenue. It was a different, I would say, transition. I'm transitioning people from um, a not-so-healthy lifestyle to, to health, and um, that has been beautiful to watch and see lots of, of joy and life and hope be given it has been a journey. I'll just tell you a a journey, but it has been one that has been very impactful, very purposeful.
0: That's awesome. So what was really a draw for you to go into health and wellness?
1: So health and wellness came along. My husband was needing to drop 30 pounds. Mm. I was the wife. So why listen to me, right? Um, I had always kind of been into fitness and taking care of myself. But we came across this program that I researched and researched and seemed very successful. And at the time, I was really looking for support and community. I was needing to be wrapped up and loved at a time of my life when God just kind of handed it off to me. He just kind of said, hey, here's this program. I stuck my husband on it. I hopped on it. We got healthy together. And all in the, the time period of a couple of weeks of that happening, I found a community of people. That really, they're my health family, but I consider them family. And they soaked us up. And I realized that, you know what? Everybody kind of needs this. Like everybody could kind of benefit from a little bit of health. And then it really hit me that as a nurse and as a caregiver, we don't take care of ourselves well. Mm -hmm. We can care for other people. We do that great. We do it with our eyes closed. We're very competent in that field. But as far as stopping and providing self-care for ourselves... Um, as professionals in the healthcare field, or as caregivers of other people, I realized that I wasn't doing a very good job. I educated on that a whole lot. I even wrote teaching sheets on self-care, you know, to educate my caregivers in the home of how to care for their self. But I recognized that I wasn't doing that at all, and that I was serving from an empty cup. And so at that time, it really became evident to me that I didn't see it when I was in the midst of caregiving, and I really thought, wow, how many people need what we have? How many people need to learn how to love their self first? Mm-hmm. It, it just became a, a new passion for me. It was a different side. You know, after losing mama and daddy, then I, um, in the midst of all that, it has really just been profound of the need um, that we have as people caring for family members because there's so much of it right now that it's hard to find the encouragement to take care of yourself, the motivation, that little bit of hope that put one foot in front of the other to make the day work. And I just thought we've got to share it and share it boldly.
0: Do you think it's just an easy thing for us to let go of when we are so focused on caring for other people?
1: I think it's um, easy because it's not a priority at the Mm -hmm. time when you're dealing with um, caregiving and you have somebody that needs to be fed and bathed and meds to be given and you're taking care of their bills and on the same you know line of that you're having to care for your own home your own family right now it's your own bills and not just that you're making decisions not just for you anymore so I I think it's just one of those things that we don't see as a priority because it's not one of those daily tasks that have to be done Mm -hmm. or in our mind for somebody to survive for the day. Mm -hmm. Like there are just, there there are bigger things in our world um, that we need, we prioritize. And I think it goes to the wayside. And I think when we let it go too long is when we start finding that we become hopeless because then it seems too big to get back.
0: When it's like you said, you notice that you were pouring from an empty cup. That's something I tell my families all the time. You know, you can't take care of someone else if you're not full you've got to pour into you.
1: Right. But then you could, you know, Kelly, you you start when you said that, it made me think because there's that guilt, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, a lot of times we have mom guilt, um, as entrepreneur, um, healthcare professionals that are out working and, um, building businesses and taking care of other people. And we kind of think, ah, we're trying to find work-life balance. To me, it's the same thing when you're a caregiver, Mm -hmm. you start feeling guilty. Because you're so used, you've developed this habit of taking on this role of caregiving. And so you're caring for these people, not just physically, but you're handling their emotions and their spiritual well-being and how they get back and forth to church or who's going to come in and see them or, you know, what resources do we need? And it really becomes a, a guilt thing that you start putting yourself first. And so many times we beat ourselves to pieces for doing that little bitty something just for us because we're so used to being in the, quote, busyness Mm -hmm. of taking care of everybody else.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. So if you were giving just some advice to our listeners who are caregivers and need to do some self-care, what are a couple of things that you would say they should focus on?
1: So, Um, probably to start out with, I think, um, you can hit it from two different sides. I know that prayer meditation are a huge thing, um, that you can use that doesn't require a lot of thought process. Mm -hmm. So when your mind is calm and you can pray and you can meditate and maybe some yoga just to have some movement, I think you have that realm of things where you can incorporate some of those things. You can do deep breathing techniques, any little thing just to kind of calm your mind.
0: Are there any apps that you have used that are good for those?
1: Now, I listen to a lot of podcasts, Mm -hmm. but I listen more to personal development. Um, There's one called Calm that Mm. you can get. Um, I know it's iPhone. Um, but it has different sounds and different meditation songs. I tried a meditation app one time. It was very monotone to me Mm -hmm. and it's like, I couldn't follow my mind could not connect where I was. So I really think use going without an app because sometimes that can cause a lot more frustration, time (laughs) setting it up, which we don't have as caregivers. We just don't. I mean, there's not time for those things. Yeah. So, um, I think sometimes just cutting you on some, some low um, spa music mm-hmm. is the best thing. Even if it's five to 10 minutes just to kind of be by yourself, get in the closet if you have to, wherever you can quieten your mind and really get a little bit of peace about you. I, I find so many times that us as caregivers feel so overwhelmed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's all the, the, the thought processes and the running, and it's almost like having eight cups of coffee all at one time and sometimes we just have to take a step back and if anything I could say, take a step back, take care of you first, do your breathing, try some prayer meditation. If you're a lot like me and your mind is on overload, you might not can even find the words to pray at the time. Mm -hmm. I do brain dumping. So I love brain dumping. Um, I do it a lot at night where I just get me a piece of paper And it's just like journaling your thoughts. And so I get everything out on that piece of paper. I write down my feelings, whether I'm sad, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, um, I'm angry. Whatever it is that I'm kind of feeling and going through, I kind of jot down all those emotions. And then I make me a to-do list. What's next? What what am I thinking that has to be done that I'm terrified I'm going to forget because my mind is overwhelmed? And so then I go... to that to-do list after it's written, and I I pick out three priorities. Those are what I need to get done for the next day. Those are the only things that are going to matter. Are there 18 things on the to-do list? Absolutely, but three that must be done, and so once I kind of go through that process of getting everything out, then your mind is kind of free, and you you can relax better. You can sleep better. And then to me, that enables you to really think the process through of how can I get some help? That's one thing we don't do as caregivers if we um, like control. Um, My personality, I've always loved to be in control. Mm -hmm. I felt like asking other people for help was a sign of weakness. Boy, have I learned different. (laughs) (laughs) I've been forced into knowing that that's not so. And so... I've really learned how to use the resources that are at my fingertips, local agencies, family, friends, and really look at, okay, how could I have 15 minutes, an hour a day of me time? Where can I put that? Who could I ask for some help? So caregivers that are homebound with their loved one, that's tough. They're missing church. They're missing socialization. Um, they're missing work. So there's a lot of different aspects of that. And so when I look at that, I just think, first, let's clear our mind. Let's get everything out and on paper. And then really look at your resources. Where, where can I pull from, whether it's a meal, somebody to come sit, um, an agency to come help us get baths during the week? Where can I really plug, plug some people in to help me have some time for me? And that can be reading a book, walk, taking a walk, taking a nap. Um, sleep is so terribly important. You can only go so long without proper mm-hmm. sleep. Um, eating a healthy meal. You know, people look at self-care as um, massage and pedicures and ma- those things are great. Those things cost money. So there's so many things that we can actually do for ourselves that I just say, make you a list five to ten things that really bring you joy. Is it gardening? Is it being out in your yard? Is it being with your grandkids? You know, taking your kids for ice cream? What really brings you joy? Write those things down because if it brings you joy and excitement and and you're really passionate about it, that is self-care because you're doing something for you. So that would kind of be my, my big tip is to step away Get out of the busyness of of what you're doing as a caregiver, because it is so terribly overwhelming sometimes and really just quieten your mind, get some movement in there, get those thoughts out on some paper. If you're a journaler, write, there's no right or way, right or wrong way to do it. I say, just get a pen, get it out. Um, and especially on those days when you're feeling lonely because everybody else is busy and, um, You need some extra emotional support. Get it out on paper. Get those things out so you can go back and address those things later and find some time for you.
0: Yeah, you know, there are two things that you said that I think are so important to reiterate. And the first one is about asking for help. And I think that what a lot of people don't realize about the asking for help, because, you know, we don't want to be a burden to others. You know, we, of course, we feel like we can do it ourselves better. There's a control aspect. We can go into a lot of things, but, but for a lot of people, they want to help. They want to, to do something to contribute. And, you know, just by asking for some help, you allow them to be a blessing, right? You allow them to feel some fulfillment in that too. And you're not just putting somebody out. Um, and so I think that's really important, um, the other part of that I think is that we are not meant to do this journey alone. and so by bringing people into our circle, that community of what we need as caregivers is so important um, because you never know when somebody else is going to go through this same thing and if you have opened the door for assistance and help, then you're showing them down the road they can do the same and that and that's what we're meant to do with this world you know we're meant to be to help one another and be community.
1: Absolutely. And I think community is a huge part of it. Um, I know without community, when I went through the death of mom and daddy, that I wouldn't have survived. I I needed people to love me and I needed people to love me right where I was. And that was hard. Um, Mm -hmm. That was almost as hard for me to accept as asking for help, was allowing myself to be weak and vulnerable. But it was a season. It was where I was. And now I can look back and recognize that um, throughout that entire season, the mistakes I made, the lessons I learned, um, the resources I gained, I now can share and pass on boldly, just like you said. And it kind of gives people the okay to know those things. And um, I can remember a lot of people showing up and just, "What, what can we do? What can we do? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Kelly, um, there were days I couldn't think of anything to do. So I always encourage um, my friends now that are friends or family of someone walking through caregiving or a difficult time or a death. Um, walk in the door and do what you know to do. Take the trash out. Make up the bed. Swap the clothes over for them. Wash up the dishes that are in the sink. Um, I always tell them sometimes us as caregivers, our brains are so overwhelmed. We don't even know what needs to be done.
0: Isn't that the truth? Yes.
1: So it's like, what's next? So I always say, you don't want to overstep your bounds in somebody else's home. But time, right. they are going to love you for it and just be like, whew, that was a load off and they didn't even have to ask.
0: Yeah. You know, it, some of it, it can be compared to when you have a newborn. And you are so overwhelmed and sleep deprived and you just don't even know which way is up. But having those mama friends that would come in and just love on you, you know, we have those resources that are just really prevalent in our society. It's this stage of caregiving, you know, when the when the role changes and the, the child becomes the parent to mom or dad, there's no roadmap for that. We're not prepared as much as we were when we had a kid. And we don't talk about it as often. Absolutely not.
1: And not just that times have changed. Um, We are caring for our parents a lot younger. Um, So we are working (laughs) caregivers. We have families and children of our own. Um, You know, back then you had a lot of places, you know, the nursing homes, the assisted livings, everything has changed and everything's different. Um, so I always say it, you, you have to know your resources if you don't reach out because the hospitals even now it's tough. It's tough to get a list of things that you need and understand before you're in and out the door. Um, you know, you don't have that collaboration Mm -hmm. anymore. I don't know that, um, you can prepare for everything in birth or in death. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that one thing I have really learned in this last year is be present in the day. Be present where you are, be, be where your feet are, um, and just be present and enjoy that moment, even though it might be stressful um, and it might be fearful and it might have a whole lot entangled in it that you don't really understand. Um, but soak up each second of it because there's a, there's a purpose in it and you will gain so much knowledge and growth from it. You just might not see it at that moment. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So you were primary caregiver to both mom and dad, is that right? Both
1: mom and dad. Um, dad got sick um, with an acute illness in September of 2017, and I stayed in the hospital for a good three months. We were back and forth in the hospital and I antibiotics, and he came home with me, um, had multiple falls. IV antibiotics, like it was tough. We had home care in and out. Um, We looked at trying to hire some sitters. Um, We would all take turns just so somebody could sleep at night because most of the time um, he was up throughout the night, whether it was pain or anxiety. Um, You know, just the medication management alone um, can become very overwhelming. Even though I was a nurse and knew a lot, I was in a completely different role. So, um, in and out of the hospital and back and forth. And, um, we finally brought him home in November with hospice and, um, took him to his own home. So we all moved in there and, um, we were surrounded by some amazing people. Um, we had our local hospice agency come in and take care of him. Um, that really respected me where I was in my role as a daughter, um, but yet as a nurse. So they allowed me to have that voice, um, And then there's three Mm. of us girls, and um, we just did the best that we could do with with what we were dealt with. Um, He had a whole lot of pain. It was a lot of pain, a lot of restlessness, um, and a lot of days where I just thought, God, are you being serious? Like, why us? Mm. Um, I questioned my faith. Um, I questioned my ability to care for him. And I really felt lonely, even though we had a house full of people, but I felt like nobody understood where I was and I couldn't leave home. He was bed bound. Um, so I had to have somebody there 24 seven and it had to be somebody that he was comfortable with to change a diaper or deal with a catheter, um, or give him meds. And once you start looking at that, that narrows who, who's available to you. Um, so sure. it took a lot of education, you know, I, I just really thought, okay, well, I can educate people to do this, or I can have the hospice agency come in and educate people to help me with this. Um, because we didn't want to hire sitters at the time because I felt too much guilt. I thought if I was the nurse and I'm the daughter, I'm supposed to mm-hmm. do this. Um, I can tell you now on the backside and walking through mother's death that, um, I should have called in a lot more help than what I did because I needed it. I was just scared of it. Um, It was the unknown of allowing somebody Mm -hmm. else to do something that I should have been honored to do. And that was hard. Um, But he passed away in November, 2017. Um, Mom got diagnosed with lung cancer, January, 2018. And um, we did a year worth of lots of doctor's appointments and lots of treatments, (laughs) lots of decision-making, And I can't tell you that I didn't have pity parties, Kelly, and I'm not going to tell you that um, it wasn't hard and there wasn't a whole lot of fist throwing um, and anger and why me, God? I mean, question, question, question. But I did recognize, um, I can tell you now, um, looking back, that it prepared me for where we were headed and I just couldn't see it in the midst of that, even in my questioning Um, of everything I had to learn how to feel my feelings because a lot of times as caregivers we don't do that Um, we tend to take on the world's feelings and the world's emotions because we can handle it and I really had to start dealing with me and recognize that um, I had to prepare myself for what was to come and so during mother's death um, her being at home with us the last month of her life and um, She also had hospice and um, we hired sitters. I'm not going to tell you that was easy. Um, I went through four before I really Mm -hmm. found somebody that I was comfortable with. She was comfortable with, but I I was determined because it, it made me step back and be a daughter and it made me step back and have that Mm -hmm. little time to go exercise every morning to fix us a good, healthy meal to get some sleep where I could be the caregiver to her that I needed to be. So lots of lessons.
0: When well, it protected you as the daughter.
1: Absolutely. It allowed me to have that moment, those little moments mm-hmm. to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with daddy, I didn't do those things. I, I stuffed it because I was the only one that could handle this, right? Like I was it. That's how I felt. And so I didn't allow um my resources in the community to come in, even though they were there, I didn't allow that, and really it hurt me in the long run, because it's like you said, it didn't protect me as daughter, it didn't allow me to feel my feelings, it didn't allow me to grieve, um, and enjoy those little moments of that that time that I had. So, lots of good lessons um, in the midst of the season that we were given.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your honesty. You know, I think that so many people feel the same way. And we just, again, we don't talk about it. Um, I think that you being so honest about what you did well and what you needed help with, um, somebody else will hear that and it will resonate.
1: Absolutely. I, um, after daddy's death, I really looked at grief different. I recognized that everything I had always educated as a hospice nurse meant nothing. It was real easy to stand on this side and talk somebody through their grief of their loved one. But to be the loved one grieving and me recognizing that, you know, whether you've lost a child, a spouse, a mama and daddy, a brother, a sister, um, whether your loved one has dementia and has just lost their way. Um, there's so much grief in the process, losing a job, losing a home, um, just in life in general that we deal with um, that I never even recognize we walk through because we try to protect ourselves from disappointment and hurt because we don't like that. We do it with our children. Um, We protect them at no, no cost, you know, and so I recognize that, wow, I've kind of, I've had some grief in my life. I've lost pets. I've lost these things. But um, losing daddy really opened my eyes to what grief really meant. And it was very confusing. And I felt very alone. And I felt guilty for, here I have been a hospice nurse for 18 years. You should know everything about grief. How could you not? Um, But nothing I had ever known was coming true. And I thought, what are these feelings and, and this brain fog that I have and I can't remember things and I don't feel like getting out of the bed and I just have that I don't care factor. And um, I started doing it again to where if people said, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? And on the inside, I'm dying. And I recognized, why do we do this? And so I thought, some people ask you because they really want to know. Other people ask you because they're nosy. Some people ask you because it's the thing to say when they pass you in Walmart. How are you? But do they stop to really listen? So it's one thing I've really been an advocate for. If you don't have time to listen when you ask somebody how they are, then don't ask. Because so many times we ask, you don't really want to know the answer. And I think that we have to open ourselves up and become better listeners to really hear people out because people are hurting. People need love. Hmm. And so many times us as caregivers, when we're walking through this grief, you know, when mom got sick and um, she started having that confusion and she couldn't remember how to make a cup of coffee and she couldn't remember how to pay her bills. And we walked through that season with her. We were grieving her then. She wasn't the mother that she had always Hmm. been to us. I recognize that even through our grief, we have to allow ourselves a lot of grace, a whole lot of grace, and love yourself despite where you are, and accept yourself in that weak and vulnerable state, and know that it's okay not to be okay, that that's okay. Do what mm-hmm. you can today. And that's why I love brain dumping is because, hey, I've got these three priorities. I'm going to get them done. Walk away when it's time to walk away. And to me, that is the biggest part of self-care is knowing your limits, especially during your grief and Mm -hmm. during that caregiving period that you're walking through, because it is exhausting. And one other thing I wanted to add to that, I talked to a lady yesterday at our um, Love Yourself retreat and she has been caring for her dad um, for a year and a half. He had a stroke and she goes and stays at his house every night and comes home and takes a shower the next day, goes to work, goes back. She can't afford sitters. So she's really making do with this, the resources she has. And she kept saying, I've got to exercise. I have got to exercise. And i said, why? Why are you wanting to exercise? Well, I've just not been eating good and I know it'll make me feel better and Um, I've gained 30 pounds. Well, let's look at why you want to exercise. Because if you're wanting to exercise to feel better and lose 30 pounds, stop eating the cake. And she kind of looked at me as she was eating the cake. And I said, why are you eating the cake? And she said, because it brings her comfort, makes her feel better. Because she's stressed and she thinks she deserves it. And so she's like, this makes me feel better. And I was like, but it doesn't because you're wanting to exercise to feel better. So really look at why you want to exercise. Do you want to add the stress of having to add this in? You need an hour away. Look at the time you have and look at why you're doing it. And so she kind of looked at me and said, I really don't want to exercise, do I? And I thought, well you just want to feel better. So try walking for 10 minutes. Sometimes we think it's all or nothing. And we put so much pressure on ourselves to drink 80 ounces of water a day, eat a healthy meal, lose 10 pounds, step on the scale. If it hadn't moved, exercise harder. I mean, we go through this vicious cycle of adding stress to ourselves when we already have such a stressful environment of just trying to make it day-to-day in this caregiver role. So I say really, yeah, do self-evaluation and really look at What will make you feel better? Not everybody loves to exercise. Do you need healthy movement? Absolutely. But there's other ways to get it than going to the gym or sweating doing cardio for an hour. There's other ways to get those things. So that's where I go back to look at what makes you happy, look at what makes you feel good and do those things for the right reason. Not because it's something you read on the internet that you should do because it's going to make you feel better.
0: I think that's so smart too, because if you like to read, if you like to knit, you know, if you like to organize your closet, whatever it is that brings you joy, you know, carving out 10 minutes to do that, to fill your cup, doesn't have to look like eating vegetables and, you know, doing 30 minutes on the elliptical machine. Those are good things for us. Don't get me wrong. Like we need to be eating right. And, but in that moment, in those seasons, let's do things that bring us joy and comfort and. I think that's well, it's so like I told
1: her, walk, find 10 minutes, three days a week. Don't feel like it's something you have to do every day or you beat yourself up and feel guilty about it. And she said, that's what I'm doing. I'll have guilt right. every day. Well, then what is that adding to you? More stress and emotion for you to carry around and just be heavier than what you already are. We're trying to work out from under that heaviness, you know, and, and we are our reality. So it's really time to sit down and and self-evaluate to see where we can take some things out and add some things in and um, learn how to say that big word. No, sometimes we just have to say, no Mm. and not be everything to everybody.
0: That, and that's a hard one. I think too, for women, especially that no word is just so difficult. We don't want to disappoint or, you know, claim we can't do something, but there's so much power in the no.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I often wonder us as mamas, why are just women, I think us women are kind of worse. Uh, why do we feel that? Why are we putting so much pressure on ourselves? And I really think that social media, just the presence and comparison mm-hmm. um, of us comparing to Everybody else and wanting to people please and not look bad or not like we're involved um, has become so huge through that presence of social media. But I think it's um, such a leading statement. I think that be a leader, don't follow. You know what you can handle and what you can't. You know how many meetings in a week you can do, you know how many um, people you can support. So look at those things. And plan accordingly. But if it doesn't serve you, make you money, or bring you some joy and passion, girl, it's got to go.
0: Yes, I completely agree. So, if you were to meet somebody who had was starting their journey of caregiving, you know, on the front end of where you have been, what are what's some advice that you would give them?
1: Number one, I would say, um, know that you're not alone. Always know that you're not alone. Um, there's this podcast. There are um, groups on Facebook. There are community groups and resources. Um, know that you are not by yourself. Number two, um, I would probably say love yourself right where you are, even on the good and the bad days, and always be present. Do what you can for that day and let the rest of it go. Um It's okay to be imperfectly perfect. That was a hard one for me. Um, Not everything's going to go the way you want it to go. Do the best that you can every day with what you've been given.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us today on Jerry Talk. Subscribe to Jerry Talk so you never miss an episode and share it with other caregivers who could use the encouragement and support. Join us next week for another great episode. Until then, have a great week.